Here's a simple truth that'll change your life forever. The reason that you have almost any problem in your life that you can think of, whether it's physical with your body, whether it's with your bank account financially, whether it's with your love life or your happiness, stems from one reason. And it's a reason nobody really talks about, but it's so simple to understand. Humans over the last 10,000 years of civilization have gotten so good through technology at creating complicated worlds that we've outgrown the capacity of our brains. I know that sounds a little complicated, but let me explain. Scientists call this mismatch theory. You know, I'm standing here at my house in Hollywood Hills and I'm looking out the glass. I, I've got a pretty good view. I can see 35 miles all the way down from Hollywood to almost uh, Orange County, Long Beach. And there's 13 million people out there right here in Southern California. Now, Robin Dunbar, the famous anthropologist, says humans are evolved to be in groups of about 150. Like our brain, all the wiring of our brain is really good at coping with a social group that's about 150 people. You can remember their names. They remember you. Some will be your close friends. Some will be your best friends. And some are just acquaintances. And some are family and so on. But still, that's the limits of the wiring of your brain today. But like I said, I look out the window and I got to cope with 13 million people. That's mismatch theory. That means if I'm not careful, socially, I will be unhappy. Just think about it. Big cities. What's the number one complaint of people in big cities? If you live in a big city now, people feel alone. That's the irony of it all, right? Think about information. Google, Amazon can deliver you books and knowledge so fast that it's mind-blowing. I mean, you literally, I talk about this, I've got it in my 67 steps, I've got this uh, part, this one of the steps is, I call it the 32,000, Amazon.com and the $32,000 brain budget. I mean, last year I spent like $32,000 on Amazon getting books. Think of all that knowledge that I can bring into my house. It comes in the mail. I get it and, you know, post office or FedEx delivers it to my house. The problem is, with all that knowledge on Google, People know less and less. My grandfather, Charles, he was born in 1916. No technology, no Amazon, uh, not even a library system like we have now. Definitely not Google. And he knew more about life and history than any of my friends that live now. Why is that? Well, again, it's the mismatch. Even though all this knowledge surrounds us, our brains are hardwired for what? To learn through stories. You know, you're adapted to uh, most of human homo sapien, us. Most of our lives throughout the last 10,000 generations have been spent in small villages where you sat on the fireplace and your father and your grandfather and your uncle told you stories. Like the hardwiring of our brain is not wired to be able to take in all this knowledge from Google and Amazon and books. Now, of course, I love these books, but I also understand that my brain's not wired naturally that way, and neither is yours. Think about physically. There's a great book 
uh, by Michael Moss. I put it up on my Instagram. It's called uh, Salt, Sugar, Fat. Michael Moss won a Pulitzer Prize. And what is it, what is it all about? Well, uh, it's also similar, by the way, there's another book. And for those of you listening to this show that want these exact book titles, if you go to my website, tightlopez.com, uh, I'll put the show notes uh, for this talk. If you look in the mentor tips for this podcast or audio, wherever you're listening, YouTube. Uh, there's another book called The Story of the Human Brain by Daniel Lieberman. And same thing. He's saying our bodies evolved in worlds where once a month you bumped into uh, a bunch of bees and honey. Interestingly enough, in every primitive group, even groups that are around now, the number one most favorite food is, guess what? Honey. So the craving that you and I have for sugar and candy and ice cream, it's not man-made. It's, it's not some new thing. It's been with us from the beginning, right? Even primitive groups uh, that live in Tanzania now, that live in some of the islands in the South Pacific that still live very primitively, they still love salt, sugar, and fat because it's we, it's an important thing. But instead of living in a world like they live in where once a month maybe you find a whole bunch of honey on a tree, on a tree hot, you know, a beehive, and you eat it real fast and you get a whole bunch of energy and sugar put into your system and that is helpful because you're not doing it very often. So in that, in that um, kind of environment, a little bit of sugar is great for you. But now we live in a world where literally you – go and get gas and walk into pay, and there's sugar everywhere. Evolutionary mismatch. And guess what you can predict when that happens? The world we live in now where, you know, 60% of people in America are overweight or obese, right? I think 30% are obese, 60% are overweight. They predict in the next 30 years, up to 50% of people, children, will be either diabetic or pre-diabetic. Why? Mismatch. Happiness. I just interviewed Jonathan Haidt, and uh, he's you know there's probably two or three experts alive right now on this thing of human happiness, right? Jonathan Haidt wrote the book Happiness Hypothesis. He's the professor at NYU. I'll be posting the interview that I did. It's a two part one. I haven't finished the second one. I did the first part with him uh, the other week, and same thing. Why are humans not happy? He says because. We're not on the right path. He said people think you can get happiness within. He said it from his research and Martin Seligman's research and David Buss's research and all these top guys, that doesn't bring happiness either. What brings happiness is being on the right path, which in everyday words would be the environment that you surround yourself. Same as we've been talking about. I live in Los Angeles. My brain's acclimated to groups of 150, yet there's 13 million so if you're not careful in a big city like L.A. or wherever you live, you'll end up feeling more lonely than if you lived in a little village, you know, in the savannah of Africa with only 150 people. You'll feel more connected there. Uh, if you're not careful with honey, with sugar, next thing you know, you're taking in, I think humans are supposed to take in something like 30 grams of sugar maximum, 20 to 30 grams of sugar so the other day I was on a flight to Europe, Sweden, nonstop flight here. It's pretty cool. You can go right from LA and land in Sweden. And I get 
plane sick. I get like motion sickness. So I, the only thing I've ever found that helps me is Sprite. So I bought a bottle. This is the only time I drink soda is when I'm flying. So I get this bottle of Sprite and I look down at it and it's 60 grams of sugar in one bottle. Again, our bodies at most are, let's say, adapted to having 20 grams of sugar. One bottle of Sprite, you've tripled it. And if you do that over and over and over to the next thing you probably will have is obesity or diabetes. That's the mismatch. What I'm trying to say is you got to get rid of the mismatch. Every little mismatch in your life, that's the mismatch between your environment, Jonathan Haidt called it the path, and the hard wiring of your body, you got to cut it out. For some of you listening, that means, and, well, I think for all of us, let me say, you need to cut down on the amount of social connections you're really trying to engage in, right? It's kind of opposite. Now, let me just say, I think there's nothing wrong. Like I like, I do big parties at my house. I think there's nothing wrong with large, large groups of people. You know, humans have <coughs> sought out large groups for safety. That's really one of the reasons, if you ask an anthropologist, that large cities evolve. It's like safer. You know, if there's 10 people together, lions and wolves and bears can come eat that little group. But if there's 10,000, it's much harder. You also have safety from your enemies, right? So being in large groups is okay. So if you live in Los Angeles or New York or Miami or Atlanta or London or Stockholm or Melbourne, wherever you live in the world and you're listening to this, even if you live in a smaller town, Raleigh, North Carolina, or, you know, some little Sevilla, Spain, where it's smaller towns, uh, it's still okay to be in that big town. But like the saying goes, you got to use or be used, meaning if you're in those environments where there is evolu- where there is this evolutionary mismatch, you got to take more control of your life. You see, if you just sit back and go, oh, okay, I'm going to take whatever comes to me, well, guess what? You know what's going to come to you? Food with too much sugar in it. If you just sit back and whenever your friends go out to eat, you just eat whatever they eat, guess what? The natural environment that we humans have created is toxic. It's poisonous. So all you got to do is take a little more control, right? Take a little more control. Be like, meh, I don't want to go eat there. And when it comes to friends, go, hey, I can go to a party. I can go to a club with a thousand people. But in my life, I'm going to double down and focus my attention on 150 people. So you got a Facebook account? Maybe you got 3,000 people on it? Maybe figure out the top 150 you want to pay attention to and put them in a separate, you know, Outlook contact or put them in an email list or do something and separate them out and just double down on those 150 people because that's how the hardwiring of your brain is. And just remember, I read, I don't quote me on this exact number, but something like human evolution happens at the rate of like 1% per 10,000 years or 1,000 years or something, which basically means the hardwiring of your body, your brain, your physiology, it's not going to change anytime soon. You and I will be long gone from this planet. (laughs) We'll be long dead before there's any real significant change in the hardwiring of how we are. So like I said, you can't just say, well, Ty, I'm going to meditate my way into feeling comfortable with 10,000 people in my inner circle. No, find 150 people 
Some of them should be family. Some of them should be old friends. Some of them should be new friends. Some of them should be business partners and coworkers. But whatever you do, and what I actually do is make an Excel spreadsheet. So whatever you do, identify that group. And you have to be conscious about it. You can't just let it come to you. You have to say, look, I accept that God, nature, the universe is bigger than me. You have to bow your knee to something, right? I don't care who you are. When I was at the Amish, they had a word called Galassenheit which in German means bowing, uh, giving up to God. With If you're an atheist, great. Study, you know, what Robin Dunbar, the great anthropologist, found scientifically. But whatever it is, bow your knee and understand that the social structure that you will be happiest in, that you will feel more fulfilled, it's already been laid out for you before you were born. Don't try to fight it. Like the Amish say, Galassenheit, bend your knee and you'll be happier. There are things within your control and things that are not within your control. The hardwiring of your brain is not within your control. You cannot change it. You can uh, adjust it a little bit, but it's better to just go with the wave than try to fight the wave. Like Joel Salatin used to tell me, nature laughs last. When I was on his farm, 18 years old in Swope, Virginia, this big, uh, one of the worst winters in 200 years came in a huge hurricane and, and, um, just, it was actually wasn't a hurricane, a huge storm came and to get to his farm, you had to drive across this bridge and his farm was really on the other side of a bridge. So that bridge was critical or the whole farm fell apart because you couldn't get feed to all that. We had 10,000 chickens and hundred cows and pigs and goats or not goats, uh, pigs. And, uh, and we needed that bridge in order to keep the lifeline of this farm going. And one day we woke up after this big storm and never seen Joel Salatin depressed before or after, but he was and looked out and that bridge had washed away. And I'm not talking about a little bridge. This is a bridge that held a couple ton, you know, trucks would drive over it to bring supplies and food for the feed for the animals. And so Joel was like, you know, he told me, I'll never forget. He looked at me and he said, Ty, nature laughs last. Meaning he had this plan. His dad had built him and him had built us this bridge. And they had said, well, this bridge will always stand here and the river won't affect it. But you know, nature had the last laugh. And nature said, well, we're going to send a big storm and a big river. And it washed it right away. The best laid plans of men, of humans, are at the mercy of the universe, of God, of nature, whatever word you want to use. So when it comes to the social settings of your brain, it's already hardwired there. Just go with it. You know, I do different martial arts I've done in my life in jiu-jitsu. Brazilian jiu-jitsu has become one of the most powerful. If you watch UFC, you know, it's because it goes with the flow. Someone throws a punch at you. You don't try to block it like in karate. You roll with it. You grab the punch and pull it and use their weight against them. That's what you've got to do. It's like universe jujitsu universal judo is what i'm talking about so you live in i and i live in this unnatural artificial world where there's seven billion people and you know in your city there might be a million people or if you're in la 13 million or if you live in even a small town a hundred thousand people most of us don't live in villages anymore in the year 1900 90 percent of the world lived in farms and villages and 10 percent lived in cities now, today, it's exactly reversed. 90% of people live in large cities and 10% live in rural places and it's accelerating. So that means 
humans are going to get less happy socially. And when I talk about social, I'm talking about friendships, I'm talking about family, and I'm talking about romance too, love. You know, part of the reason people also go into larger cities, single people go in, younger people, because <clears throat> there's a good book by Dr. Mar- Martina Adshade called Dollars and Sex, and she talks about the economics of human romance. And she says, you know, large cities have more opportunity because there's more people around you. And she's right, but just remember, it comes at a cost. The cost of a mismatch in large cities when people are dating, there's so many choices that people end up alone. That's the irony, right? Little little towns, people have less choices of who they're going to date and marry, but they usually end up married. Whereas in big cities, there's so much choice. If you're not careful, if you don't take control of your mind, if you don't take control of your surroundings, like the saying goes, If you're in a room and you don't know who the sucker is, you're the sucker. In the world now, if you don't take control, you will be the sucker. You don't want to be the sucker. So socially, remember that number, 150. When it comes to your physical body, remember, the world can now produce so much carbohydrates, so much energy in the form of, you know, bread, sugar. The number one crop in the world is, guess what? Sugar cane, number one crop in the world. It's actually one of the number one polluting crops in the world. Sugar, sugar, sugar. Because it's feeding these big companies like, you know, Archer, Daniel, Midland, or Procter & Gamble, all these big food companies, Monsanto. They know that sugar sells because it's hardwired into us. Like I said, ancient uh, primitive groups still on the planet now that are hunter-gatherers in Tanzania, for example. They still like honey. They like that sugar rush. It passes the blood-brain barrier. It goes right to your brain. It's almost like cocaine. It's almost like heroin. So I National Geographic, I don't know, half a year ago or a year ago, had this whole thing on sugar. So like I said, sugar in and of itself isn't bad, but it sure as hell is bad in the dosages that we get that are out of our wiring. And again, when it comes to your bank account, it's the same thing, right? What makes people wealthy? Well, there's a lot of theories. The other day I was actually talking uh, on Twitter. I was going back and forth with Tim Ferriss. Uh, I don't know how I got dropped into this conversation somebody was having. And, you know, they added Tim Ferriss back and forth. And the next thing I know, Tim Ferriss is jumping in the conversation and talking with me. And I was telling him, you know, the things that I agree about his book for our work week and the concepts that I don't really agree with. And I don't agree because I think I'm smarter than him. It's not that. It's, I'm going to tell you, if you look around you and open up your eyes, what makes people wealthy? Do you think it's working four hours a week? Do you think, and I'm not talking about wealth and trying to become a billionaire. I'm talking about financially. I don't care who you are. Like I always say, Mother Teresa took a vow of poverty, but she had to spend all her, half her life raising money for her charity. If you want to have a charity and change the world, you're going to need money. Money's the currency that the exchange of energy, exchange of, of time, right? In the modern world, you're going to need money. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, Ty, I don't want to be a billionaire. Well, that doesn't matter. You still need access to scarce resources, which in the modern world is exchange with cash, money, right? You want to change the world like Mother Teresa and help the poor? You, you need money, okay? If you want that, you got to go, what's the evolutionary mismatch when it comes to money? Well, it's simple. Uh, well, let, let me, I'm going to 
answer that secondly. I got ahead of myself. The first thing I want to say is, you know, look around you. What are the patterns that make people wealthy? I can tell you it simple. Not because I'm so smart, but because it's right there. Read history. What makes people wealthy is relatively early in their life, figuring out what they want to do. Number one, clarity of mind. Number two, picking something that I call this your Eulerian destiny. I, I talk about this in my 67 steps. I can't, I don't have time to talk about it now, but basically what that means in real simple terms is that finding something that, uh, other people say you're good at. So you objectively know. So it's not like, Oh, I think I'm good at singing in the shower. So you become a singer. But what you've heard all your life, like if people all your life have been like, Hey, you're really good at cooking. Like that's probably you should be in the food business. Right. People have been like, oh, you've got a great smile. Maybe you should be an actor or a model. Someone says, oh, you're really good at math. Probably should be, you know, in investments or finance or a mathematician or something. So it's really simple. So that's number two, picking something that's related to your strength. And number three, sticking to it for a long time. Right. They call those the 10 dark years. Bill Gates, 20 to age 30. I never took a day off. Not even one. Elon Musk says if you work 40, 100 hours, when everyone else works 40, you'll accomplish more in one year than people, I mean, in three months to take most people a year. Pablo Picasso, he had 10 dark years where you don't hear from him. He was studying. He was sticking to one thing, art, for a long time, getting good, getting good, building skill, building skill. So that's the third thing, staying in something long enough that you build massive amount of skill and you have time for the world to catch up and reward you for your skill. Just remember, the world's not on your exact time frame. All of us humans are so egocentric. We think the second we have skill in some business, the world will reward us by paying a million bucks a year. No, it usually takes, there's a lag. You gotta give there some, some time for it to catch up. Warren Buffett was smart with money at 12. He was investing in the stock market, but he didn't become a billionaire until he was 57. He wasn't truly wealthy until his 40s. The world had to catch up with his skill. And then it rewarded him. So most of us, I think it's Lao Tzu. I was reading Lao Tzu, Tao Te Ching, or one of those. Uh, it was maybe it was Sun Tzu. It said the temptation to give up is often strongest right before you're about to succeed. So most of us, because of the mismatch of the modern world where you're presented with unlimited career opportunities, you can go to college for Spanish. You can go for business. You can go for you know pre-med. You can go for law. Just about, or you cannot go to college and become an entrepreneur, or you can become a poet or writer. There's so many choices. As Barry Schwartz talks about in his, in his good book, The Paradox of Choice, right? Where more is less. It's a great book to pick up. Uh, we're so bombarded by career and financial options that we end up getting nothing. That's just like sugar. You see? The analogy is the same. Our brain evolved to have a little bit of sugar, but not too much. Our brain evolved to have some social interaction, but not too much. And when it comes to career, our brain evolved to have some choice, but not too much. So what happens with most people? Well, I can tell you. I talk about this. My rich friends and my poor friends. You know that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Well, I don't, like I say, I didn't have both of my dads. Neither of my dads were poor. I had a stepdad and a real dad. Neither one w was rich. And what I learned, though, later from my rich friends versus my poor friends is something very profound. 
My poor friends are constantly bouncing around. Every three or four years, they got a new career. Ooh, Ty, I'm really good at this. I'm going to try this. My rich friends, they've been doing the same thing for decades and decades. And you might say, Ty, that's so boring. Well, I don't know. Success isn't that boring. (laughs) Making a billion bucks isn't that boring. You'll probably like it. So if you're not careful, like I said, you'll be what I call the bitch of your brain. Your brain overloaded with options. It's not used to dealing with that. It'll say, ooh, try something else. I was, I got a friend I was talking to not too long ago. Very successful uh, in the entertainment industry here in Hollywood. And then I talked to him, what are you doing next? It's like some random thing, like starting, I don't know, a circus or something. I'm like, really? Is that a good choice? You know, that doesn't sound like what my rich friends do. Uh, I was talking to, uh, I was actually reading another famous story of, of Goethe, the famous German writer, right? From long ago, centuries ago. And he was this amazing writer and then he got distracted and he he became a politician and got into politics. And I, I wrote down a, a quote and he said, you know, although he was eminently successful in carrying out these other occupations, Goethe came to regret them as a terrible disease which kept him from writing and grievously disturbed his creative power. You see, back then, even hundreds of years ago, great writers got distracted and they regretted. It's the great regret of their life. You see, when it comes to your career and leaving an impact on the world and building financial independence for yourself, and for some of you building true wealth or prosperity, you got to avoid the mismatch. You better stick with one thing. For a long time. And when that builds up in your brain, because I've had this happen to me back in like 2006 where I started like getting burnt out in one of my, I had a financial planning firm. <clears throat> I'm a certified financial planner and, you know, I was one of the top guys in the U.S. And sure enough, it hit me and I didn't have someone telling me these things that I'm telling you now. I didn't have someone pointing to examples like I'm pointing to you. Uh, you... Uh, or I'm sorry, I got distracted. And it's one of the regrets financially. I mean, I it hasn't been a huge disaster because I caught myself, thank God, and I and I, you know, still am involved in, in that. I didn't go, ooh, I'm gonna move on to something else. Don't. You know? Sam Walton, richest man of our time. He nineteen forty five decided he wanted to be in discount retailing. Nineteen eighty four he's doing the same thing when he became the richest man in America. Ray Kroc. Started in the food industry. Didn't start directly with McDonald's, but he's stuck in that food industry. Food, he worked in the paper cup industry. He worked in the industry of, uh, in that paper cup was working with restaurants. Uh, he worked selling different kinds of food mixers like blenders and shake makers. That was again in the restaurant business. And then it was a natural progression. He says when he was 52, which is good news for those of you who are later in life and not financially independent, he was 52 when he started. And he says, people say I was an overnight success, but I wasn't. They forget that for the last 20 or 30 years, I've been working in that food industry. Conrad Hilton, a great book, the great grandfather of Paris Hilton, who became a billionaire by building the Hilton Hotel chain. If you read his story, I think he started in hotels when he was still a teenager. His family, his dad had moved to Long Beach, California. Incidentally, that's where I was born. And uh, it was like during the oil rush and there was not a lot of housing. So his 
I think Conrad Hilton actually had the idea as a teenage boy. He said, Dad, let's open up our house and rent out rooms. And sure enough, that grew and grew. 1929 came. Depression came. Everybody lost their hotels. Conrad Hilton almost lost all of the hotels. But he had the faith, and he stuck with one thing. You see, if you're not careful, <clears throat> the world, Google, books, seminars you go to, the stories of your friend, the news, all this is going to distract you, and you're going to end up in a mismatch situation. Keep it simple with your career. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. What's hard is sticking to one thing for a long time. Some people go, well, I don't know what I should do. That's one of the most common things. Ty, I have no idea what I should do. Well, here's the deal. You could probably sit in a room and figure it out and make a few phone calls to a handful of people and find out the answer today. That's BS. I call BS on people say that they don't know what to do. What people usually mean by that, in my opinion, is I'm so cocky that I think I'm good at so many things. Let me tell you, the world's competitive. If you can get good at one little thing, that's enough to achieve everything you want. I mean, look at that guy who became a billionaire with Greek yogurt. He just got good at yogurt. Or Sarah Blakely, who became a billionaire uh, woman. She's, there's not that many self-made billionaire women, unfortunately. I think there'll be more and more as the world progresses. But she's one of them, and she became a billionaire before age 40 with no debt, no business partners, all on her own selling tights, you know, like spanks that girls wear, you know, under their clothes. See, she just stuck with something. It was simple. Keep it simple and stick to it for a long time. Avoid the mismatch when it comes to career of getting too broad. Right? So remember, the mismatch, we've talked about four main areas, right? Health, wealth, love, happiness, right? Social is the same as love. I said when it's health, the mismatch is generally getting too much of stuff, too much salt, too much sugar, too much fat. Uh, we probably as humans all eat too much. If you can cut just a little bit of calories, you'll avoid this mismatch that I'm talking about. As I said in the first sentence or the first paragraph of this talk, it's the mismatch that kills you. That kills you prematurely, that kills your hopes, that kills your dreams, that kills your bank account, that kills your social life, that kills your love life, that kills your body, that kills your happiness. It's the mismatch. And you got to think of the mismatch in your life in these four areas and cut it out like a knife, like a surgeon, you know. Guta said in this talk, I, I'm, I always pick one great thinker. He's the one. And he says, I am like a snake. I, you know, slough my skin and start afresh, like I shed my skin. So there's things in your life you got to follow what he did. You got to shed them off your life. When it comes to physical health, just shed off some stupid diet stuff. It's that simple. Don't go crazy. Set an 18-month goal. Part of the problem with almost every diet is it breaks the rules that Peter Drucker talks about. Set 18-month goals. 18 months from now, your body will look amazing. Forget 30-day plans, 7-day plans, 3-month plans, 12-month plans. 18 months is the ideal time. Peter Drucker says in his research in business, he found that's what the brain is best acclimated to. See, it's that's another mismatch. We set weird goals. Everything. I mean, I could literally talk for 24 hours on the mismatches. The goal of this 
talk right now, this show, is for you to be introduced to this concept of mismatch. But it's on you to begin to identify the mismatches. Think about sleep. You know, we're evolved as humans to go to bed when it gets dark because there was no lights a thousand years ago, two thousand years ago, ten thousand years ago. And we're programmed to wake up in the morning. That means depending on where you live in the world, in the winter, you'd probably sleep more because there was a ton of, sun, uh, of darkness in the winter. And you'd sleep less in the summer. It'd be like seasonal. Right? So our bodies have evolved to A, go to sleep with the circadian rhythm, which we don't do anymore. We've broken that. Most people sleep in four, five, six hours in the modern world. You got to cut that mismatch out. Am I saying everyone has to go to bed at 7 o'clock? No, but I was on a show with uh, Ben Greenfield, who wrote this great book, Beyond Endurance, and is one of the you know top, who was voted you know 100 most important influential people in, in health. And I was talking to him, or he was interviewing me on his show, and he was, he was asking me this question. And I said, well, once a month, go to bed at 7 o'clock. Start small. Set an 18-month goal to cut out the mismatch in how you sleep. Right. And if you happen to be on a weird schedule because of work and things outside of your control, make sure you make your room super dark. You see, start thinking back in history. How did my brain evolve? Did My brain evolved to sleep in the light. No. Chickens go to bed when it's dark. Humans go to bed when it's dark. That's how we're designed. And remember what Joel Salatin says. Nature laughs last. That means break nature's rules at your own risk the risk is your body will not function properly it's vital you get this like i said i don't have time in this talk to go through the thousand things that you can go wrong physically with your body in a mismatch i i highly recommend these two books salt sugar fat by michael moss uh and also lieberman's book on uh evolution uh the story of the human body Amazing books, and they go through this step by step, all the problems uh, in your body when you don't follow, or I should say, when you allow modern technology, which can create millions of tons of sugar, mega, I mean, not even tons, I don't know how much sugar cane is produced, but you're talking millions of tons of sugars being produced, millions of tons. We weren't supposed to be in a world where you could produce that much sugar. We were not supposed to be in a world where you could stay up all night, right, and not sleep. We can do it now. So I said we've almost, you know that saying, you know, where you, you outgrow your britches? Like humans have out, we've got technology uh, so strong that it can override what we're supposed to do. Joel used to tell me, what, what did he say? He had a, he said technology has out. We can now produce technology faster than we can understand its consequences. He was saying, you know, when Americans first landed, uh, or sorry, when colonists first landed in the United States, or it wasn't the United States, and it was America, the Americas, they ha were limited in how quickly they could cut down the forest, right? Because you had to do it by hand. You could have a saw back and forth, back and forth. Well, now they have these machines, I forget what they're called, in, in the rainforest down in Brazil or in Indonesia. And they're so, they can, they literally don't even cut the trees down. This machine's huge and it just crawls up and just knocks the tr massive trees down. It's just so heavy, it just goes up them and, the, and they can cut down acres in minutes, 
right? That's our technology outgrowing our capacity to understand the consequences. I can drink 10 things of Sprite in a day, easy. There's lots of people drinking 10 cans of Coke a day at 40 grams or whatever a can, 20 grams. I'm not sure exactly what a can of Coke is. So you're getting three or 400 grams of salt of sugar when your body's only wired to do like 20. That's called diabetes right there. That's, that's what diabetes is. You don't want diabetes. My best friend died of diabetes. You don't want diabetes. Once you get it, it's hard to ever get rid of it. So if you're listening to this and you're big on sugar, eight over the next 18 months, cut it down some. Again, I'm not a stickler. It's not black and white. It's not like I'm now saying I'm not a Luddite, if you know what that is. A Luddite is someone who hates technology and says we should eradicate all technology. I'm not saying that. Okay. I'm saying rein it in. Do what you can. I'm not asking you because I certainly don't go to sleep early every day, but I'm saying take some naps. Counter the effects of the modern world. Your only choice other than doing what I'm saying is an early unhappy death, an early unhappy life, a premature existence. You don't want that or you wouldn't be listening to this talk. You know that I'm all about the good life, how to get the good life. Well, one of the first ingredients in the good life is cutting out these mismatches physically and especially with career. I was talking to Jonathan Haidt about what truly makes people happy and he referred back to to Freud when Freud was asked and Freud said something, pardon my German, I may not say it right in German, but it was something like Liebe and Schaffe, which is like work and love. So what Freud said, you know, centuries ago or century and a half ago was, hey, uh, get your love and social right and get your career right. That's he, That was his basis. I think Freud didn't understand what we know now. We can add on to that. You also need intangibles in your life to be happy and you also need physical health to be uh, to be happy. So. Talking, you know, specifically on this Freudian concept and this modern concept of just your career and your finances, like, just remember, we didn't evolve to be able to handle advertising. Advertisers take advantage of you. They take advantage of the evolutionary mismatch in your brain that you can't differentiate between good deals and bad deals. Basically, we all evolved that if somebody tells us something, we believe them at face value. Dr. David Buss in his evolutionary psychology talks about this. Humans generally, even though we like to pretend we're good at reading people, he said if someone comes up to you and says, hey, you know, I'm a badass, don't mess with me, even if they don't look very strong, we usually leave them alone because our brain knows 99 false alarms is better than one early death. So we take people at their word. So when we're watching TV and advertising comes up and it's like, this car is the best thing for your life. And they show you pictures of celebrities or happy people driving that car. And it's $48,000. Buy this car, buy this car. You and I, the wiring of our brain is not matched up to be able to resist that. So guess what? The average American has $33,000 in car debt. How does that make any sense? That the average American who only makes at most, the average American makes under 50000 a year. Okay. Why are we buying $33,000 cars? Doesn't make any sense, right? You could buy a $5,000 used car, get where you want to go. It's not like a $33,000 car is really going to impress people. So if you're thinking, well, I don't want a $5,000 car because it looks junky. Well, who are you fooling? If you can afford a Ferrari, that'll impress people. But 
$33,000 car, new car versus a $5,000 or $10,000 used car. There's not a lot of impressing difference there. But again, the mismatch is there in the advertising. It tricks us into going, ooh, that's going to make me have more prestige. I'm going to be like Brad Pitt if I drive a Land Rover like Brad Pitt. Don't believe it. It's mismatch. Don't be the sucker in the room. Over and over. Like I said, I don't have time to go through all this. So, But I'll go through enough to make my point when it comes to career and money and financial independence. Uh, like this David Bach says in this book, uh, Start Late, Finish Rich or whatever. You, you can't, you gotta save some money. <laughs> it's not how much you earn, it's how much you keep. I know a lot of Amish guys that never made more than thirty or forty thousand dollars a year that die millionaires. You gotta, uh, Alan Nation used to say, you know, living a little bit under your means. If you make a hundred thousand, only spend eighty thousand. That's very hard. They say the mind ratchets up about 128%, meaning once you figure out how to make a hundred grand, you'll naturally start spending about $128,000. You see, your mind in the modern world goes all haywire, right? Just think of a little kid. Little kids are designed to have lots of energy, but they're not designed to have sugar all the time. So in the modern world, when you give kids sugar, and they're naturally energetic, guess what you get? A whole nation full of hyperactive, quote-unquote, ADD kids, right? Well, that's because you're adding sugar on top of natural, healthy, high levels of activity. That's evolutionary mismatch. If you can cut the mismatches out of your life, out of your physical body, out of your financial bank account and your career, if you can cut it out of your love life, your friendships, not having 10,000 friends, but having less friends that you focus more on. And if you can do it on the intangibles in terms of those things that bring you happiness, you're going to have the good life. I can't tell you how many smart people I know that don't understand this concept of mismatch. You should be walking around every day going, is this a mismatch? Is this a mismatch? Is that a mismatch? And if it is, Figure out ways, slowly but surely, over 18 months, not over one day, to get out of it. If you've made stupid career choices, you might not be able to get out of it in one day. But over 18 months, you can move into that career of your choice, but not too much choice. You can move into a career that goes, what am I naturally, uh, what have I naturally been complimented on by people who didn't even know me for the last 20 years? What have I been doing already that I have experience? What did I grow up around? What do I have lots of energy and curiosity around? You see, it's easy. Easy, easy, easy for 99% of people. And I'm sure it's going to be easy for you to find out the right career. And you'll get rid of the mismatch. The mismatch in your life career-wise is oftentimes, you know, you're built to want to work. That's a very human thing. It's another problem I have with the four-hour work week. We know for sure, like Martin Seligman, the, the uh, University of Pennsylvania professor, has proven over and over for 30 or 40 years. One of the reasons he's, you know, was, I think, the president of the AAPA, the psychologist group of America or whatever, the Association of America. The reason he was is because he understood this, that it's only in pushing yourself career-wise that you find happiness. 
finding a job that you just sit back and work four hours a week, under a brain scanner, we can prove you will have less happiness. So why would you want to pursue that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's stupid. So don't buy the hype. Find work that's meaningful for you so that you can be prolific like Pablo Picasso that made 50, uh, who made 50,000 pieces of art during his career. That should be you. You should be the next Phil Jackson, the next Michael Jordan. Not all of us can be famous like that, but we can be famous in our own group of 150 people. Remember, do things also that bring you the respect of your peers, that 150 people. There's tremendous happiness there. We live in a world of mismatch. You, If we try to please 10,000 people, we'll never be able to gain their respect. Another reason so many people are unhappy. You get ha- a tremendous amount of happiness from the respect, the earned respect of your peers, right? So figure out a way to get your group smaller and more focused so that you can earn their respect. So I hope this has been helpful. There's so many ways but uh, that I could talk about this, and I will continue to talk on it. It's so important, but this is kind of the introduction. Now, I want you to leave me a comment or send me an email at tytylopez.com or leave me a review if you're listening to the podcast. But in your review or in your comment on YouTube or on my website or wherever you're listening to this, uh, answer me. What's the biggest area in your life where what you're doing is mismatched from your natural self? For some of you, it's going to be the way you eat. For some of you, it's you've been bouncing around too much in your career. For others, you've been trying to please too many people socially and not realize that you should be pleasing a smaller group. What is it in your life that you think is mismatched with your natural state of happiness? What is killing the natural state of fulfillment you could be feeling, but because you've been manipulated by a world that's um, uh, too far ahead technologically of what our brain's natural state is? What is the, what are the consequences and how can you make an 18 month plan to change? Just pick one thing, the biggest one, the biggest problem in your life. I've talked about the, you know, three or four big areas you're probably having issues. It's either with your body physically, health wise. It's either with your bank account and your career or it's with something socially, friends, family or romance. Which of those and what's the biggest area that you're all mismatched up? Something you've learned from this talk. Uh, please share that because I like to talk back and forth. I learn from you uh, and others will learn from you. So, you know, I, I do these talks for free. And the only thing I ask in exchange is that you be an open book. I open up my life uh, here in Hollywood. I open up, you know, I'm in my library, in my house talking. I open up. The only thing I'd ask from you is open up back. It helps me. No one's going to criticize you or, you know. I just want to hear from people and have an exchange of ideas. If you're driving and you're not able to comment on the site or on the podcast or YouTube or on my site, you can always email me at ty at tylopez.com. The other great way is on Twitter. Like I said, I was talking to Tim Ferriss uh, on Twitter. So my Twitter, I've got a pretty big 150, 160,000 people on my Twitter, but I do respond to almost everybody as much as I can uh, uh, personally. So it's at tylopez. Is just my Twitter at my name T A I L O P E Z. I'm also on Facebook uh, and can be reached there. Email or commented there is at Ty Lopez official. 
and YouTube, Ty Lopez Official. LinkedIn, I'm under Ty Lopez. The best way, though, is to get on my book of the day, uh, and that is on my website. It's a free newsletter. I've got the largest uh, book newsletter and club, I think, in the world. About 1.4 million people are being reached with this, what, what you're listening to now. And so on my site, there's a free place to sign up, tylopez.com. You can just enter your email, and you'll get that free. Uh, the easiest way to uh, learn is to learn from others, and I read a book a day, and I share that. Uh, in my newsletter. I don't always send it every day, although I'd like to, but, uh, you know, I send it as often as I can. So join there, enter your email and info at tylopez.com. And it, once you join, you'll be automatically logged into the site. You get a free membership on the site there and you can email me in the inbox. You'll get a little welcome message from me. If you reply to that, I do check it. So again, avoid the mismatch in your life. Look for those things. Remember, most people either watch things happen, make things happen, or wonder what happened. Never be a wonderer. The more you learn, the more you earn. That's what Warren Buffett teaches five-year-olds. Learn, 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 and learn the psychology of your brain. Learn the evolutionary hardwiring, biological wiring of your brain. Begin to examine those things, whether it's your sleep patterns, whether it's your diet, whether it's your tendency uh, to be distracted in your career and bounce around, whether it's your susceptibility to advertising. Open up your mind. Don't be a person being manipulated by society, right? Don't be a manipulated person. Take control of your destiny. As Martin Seligman spoke so eloquently on learned helplessness, most of us have been taught to be helpless. We've gotten jobs with careers that we get a little paycheck or uh, we've had a, uh, you know, we've had a uh, schooling and education where people brought us the textbook and we're just like, learn this and memorize this. And it's just, we're like monkeys in the cage. That's how our brain has been artificially programmed by so much of modern society step out from that you'll find happiness you'll get the respect of yourself your friends and your family and you'll have the respect of your peers and more importantly you will find what you want which is the good life and along the way you'll find more health you'll find a hell of a lot more wealth you'll find more love from friends family and romantically and you'll achieve that ever ethereal that ever uh uh you know slippery goal that most people can never quite grasp which is fulfillment happiness and fulfillment it may come and go sometimes you won't feel as happy as others but fulfillment can be a state that you stay in at all time and that will come from removing these mismatches and then seeing clearly as to what your destiny is so stay tuned uh, i try to do these almost every day uh between my book of the day my social, oh, Instagram is a great way to, to check out, uh, my life, Ty Lopez, <clears throat> one, T-I-I-L-O-P-E-Z, and the number one. Talk to you soon. Stay strong.